Good morning. I love it. Just keep talking. That's a good sign, right? I love seeing people going around and talking to different people and asking them, how's it going? You know, what are you dealing with? What can I pray for you? That, use that time to connect with people, to fellowship with people, and to lift people up, right? All right, I have got three million announcements to go over in this bulletin, so I really need your help in paying attention. And I know the game that's played. I know there are some people who come in late, so they purposely miss the announcements. But you have a bulletin, right? So make sure you are reading the bulletin. But first off, we want to we wanna remember Memorial Day weekend, right? We are grateful. We are grateful for the men and women who paid the ultimate price for us, who took our place, right? We see what, we see what Christ did for us. I, I think these men and women have done a similar thing. Um, and I know there, there are people who have got to meet their families who died in the war on terror. I don't know if there's anybody in here that has a family member, but we remember those people and we say thank you, right? We say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And that's why, too, we like to partner with charities like Operation Heal Our Patriots that go to those families who have lost loved ones uh, and who are dealing with the pain and everything that is going on for that and, and try to do everything that we can to, to lift them up, right? So we'll be, we'll be praying about that. But if you have, a, if you have a, lost a loved one and if there's anything that we can do, for you as a church family, please let us know, right? We want to be here for you. All right, uh, number two, I want to say a special thank you to a group of people who cleaned the pavilion and stayed after church on Wednesday to plant flowers. All right, that ground was so hard, it is all clay and everything, and there was so much, I don't mean to be gross, bird poo on those tables. I don't know how you guys got them that clean. I mean, they look like they're brand new tables back there at the pavilion, but we are ready. So can you help me say thank you to all those people that did that? <clears throat> thank you, thank you, thank you. So next Wednesday, this Wednesday, we'll be grilling at the pavilion. I looked at the radar, and it's supposed to rain. 80% chance, you know, so by the time we get there, it will be clear and sunny. But um, if it does rain, we're just going to move inside uh, and have an event in here. So if we're outside, if it's clear, bring games like cornhole or any games that you can think of, play outside, we'll do that. We're going to supply the meat. You guys just bring a side, all right? We'll supply the hamburgers and hot dogs. You guys bring a side. And if you are a grill master, if you know how to grill, that's not me, that's my wife, all right? A little bit ashamed of that. But if you know how to grill and can help out with grilling those meats, please see me and let me know that uh, so that we can get some people that will be in charge of the grill. All right, so that's going to be Wednesday night. I, listen, I have a cool message that I want to talk to you about. There is a commandment that says, thou shalt not take the Lord your God's name in vain. All right, I'm going to tell you that we don't really understand that. Because a lot of people think that's like saying, oh, don't say God, bleep, bleep, right? Or, or don't say, oh, Jesus, Bleep, bleep, you know, or anything like that. That's good not to do those things, but that's not really what that commandment's about. So if you want to know more about that, make sure you show up, and I'll explain how it's much more than that and much 
deeper than that and much cooler. So make sure you come out on Wednesday. This is going to be 6 o'clock. Normal activities on Wednesdays are 6.30. This is going to be 6 o'clock. Come out. Time for fellowship and fun. All right. Uh, June 5th, we have a ton of things going on. Men's, women's groups are meeting. We have a celebration of life for Deb Akers that we're going to be doing. If you know Deb Akers or Brenda Pittenger or that family, we're going to be doing a service there and then having a meal after. So if you can help be a part of that, let us know that. You can talk about the meal to Brenda. You can talk about chairs. I'm going to grab the chair, the, the men's group that morning, and we're going to set up chairs and, and tables in here and help out with that. So if you can be a part of that, please uh, do that. Um, Sunday School Board, the new Sunday School Board, we are meeting right after the service to talk about VBS, Friend Day, which check out your calendars, Friend Day, and then also Wednesday nights. Because after this next Wednesday, Grilling at the Pavilion, we'll start our normal 6.30 to 7.30 classes for all ages. All right? And so we want to talk about that. Um, Alice, where's Alice? I saw her. There, Alice. All right. So, I, I don't know how many of you know this, but we sponsor a, a child from Kenya, and her information is right in there. We'd love to have somebody that would take the time to write our sponsored child. So, if you like writing people and you want to encourage somebody, please do that. And then, I want you to start praying about actually sponsoring a child yourself. So these are, these are two kids that Adavi and uh, our family sponsor. This is Eric Muchangi Karangi, and he is from uh, Kenya as well. And then this is um, Rebecca Cruz, and she is from Honduras. So Eric's like 21. We're getting ready to kick him out, and uh, he is actually going to become a teacher. So we're excited to see him start. We started with him in 2000. And now he's getting ready to become a teacher, and he is going to be a leader in their country and in their community. And uh, we got a chance to partner with him on that. There's nothing cooler than that. And then uh, Rebecca is like Lydia's age, so it's exciting to see how, how they're growing up. But they write to us regularly. They pray for us, right? They pray for our family and ask us, what can we pray for and everything like that. It's the coolest thing, and we get to pray for them and write them and find out all the, all the cool things that's going on. So can you do me a favor? Would you begin to start praying about that? I mean, you could have a major impact in somebody's life. You could totally turn, be a part of turning that life around. Man, they're going to get exposed, exposed to Jesus Christ. They're going to get exposed to a church. They're going to go into a discipleship ministry and be discipled. And then they're going to go out and change their community. What is a better investment than that? right? So think about that, start praying about that, and we will get back to you. Alice, I lost the house from, I lost the letter from Miriam House, but Miriam House sent us a letter and was grateful for the contributions that we gave to them. That's one of the charities, that's another charities that we want to be a part of and supporting. If you don't know Miriam House, we talked in here before about that, but we want to partner with ministries outside of this that are reaching needs in the community. Uh, What an awesome opportunity. So uh, be praying though about that. All right. Um, am I missing any teens? I saw some teens in here that I haven't seen in a while, right? Teen kickoff party, that is on the calendar. That is also June 5th, and that begins at, I'm thinking, 5 o'clock. Yes, 5 o'clock. Invite a friend out. Invite somebody of the teens that aren't coming right now out to that. 
we'd love to see you out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you have any questions, see Jody. Would you raise your hand, Jody? Yeah, see her. All right. Um, talents money. This is, this is we, we'd like to turn in the talents money this week. If you're not ready to, that's fine. You can turn it after. But if you're able to turn in your talents money, we're going to see where we stand and, and um, how we've been able to help the community and, and use our talents. And I would love next week for you guys to be thinking of, did this teach you anything? Did you learn anything from this? I've talked to some people who have told me what God was speaking to them through this, so I'd love to hear some testimonies next week, so be prepared for that. All right? All right. Uh, let me just quickly go through this. Am I missing anything, anybody? Oh, awesome. Awesome. Tell us our privilege, right? Our privilege. I still see money coming in for that. So thank you for that. And we're going to be there for her, right? If she needs anything in that apartment, we will be there for her. All right. Um, oh, last thing. Maybe the last thing. Nope, two things. How to watch The Chosen. So we've ended, stopped watching The Chosen as a church together. We stopped on season two, episode one. There are sheets on the back table that let you know how you can continue watching The Chosen in your own homes. You can either purchase the DVDs or it shows you how to watch online and do that. So if you're interested in doing that or you just missed out on The Chosen, make sure you check that out. It's an awesome program. All right, Jim R., can you come up here? <clears throat> Jim didn't know we were going to do this, but uh, Jim is our Teacher of the Year, all right? Speech, right? Speech? No. <laughs> but uh, we've got a gift card, and we just want to say thank you with the certificate. But listen, all right, the importance of small groups and studying the Word of God. Oh, listen, Wednesday nights, Jim teaches a, an adult Bibleship uh, Bible class on, an, on Wednesday nights. And I know Jim wants to invite you out to it. We want to invite you out to it. Obviously, he's Teacher of the Year, so it's going to be good. Um, come on out to that. Put the pressure on it. Yeah, right? June 9th, when we go back to normal classes, he'll be starting that up. So, Jim, thank you very much. All right, would you stand with me? Sunday School Church Board, or Sunday School Board, make sure you stop, meet with us after uh, church today. We'll be meeting in the teen room. All right? All right. Let's pray. Father, I, I just thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being able to meet with my church family. Lord, I'm thinking of some things that are going on in that family. And Lord, we lift them up to you. Father, I pray that you would be in these people's lives and that you would use this church to surround them and to love on them and to be, them, bear, be there for them during this time. Father, I pray that you would, you would let us represent you well to this community and to the ends of the earth. Put people in our paths. Lord, help us partner with ministries that are doing your work, Lord. Lord, 
use us. Help us to live a life of sacrifice. Help us to live a life of service, Lord, and to put your kingdom well before our kingdom. Lord, during this time, we want to bless you. We want to say thank you. We want to give you all the honor and praise that you're due. Lord, I pray for every other church in this community that, that proclaims the name of Jesus Christ. Would you light it on fire? Would you draw the churches together in what you call us to do? Help there not be division. Help us not to focus in on the, the 2% that we don't agree on, Lord, but help us to focus in on what we do agree on. And that is you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and we have a job to do to reach people with the good news. Father, give us those opportunities. Lord, I pray for the people that are watching online or the people that will watch later. Lord, I pray that you would remind them that they are a part of this family and we love them. And if they need anything, have them reach out. Father, we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen.
nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. An almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sink through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. I couldn't turn it, 
I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Thank you, Lord. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away, oh the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Your 
You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am made, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am made. Sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of Well, today we're going to be in John chapter 7 and 8, so if you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 7 and 8, that's where we're going to be camping out. These two chapters are like the debate chapters between the Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders, uh, or religious rulers, and they're coming up against Jesus. Prior to this, Jesus has been confronting legalism elitism, classism. He's been really defining what it means to be successful. So he's, he's making a lot of people mad. That, that's what Jesus does sometimes. He confronts leadership and, and confronts the ideology that's being pushed and, and changes it and, and gets it to focus instead on, on what's truly important. But that's what's happening. At this point, so there's a lot of hostility towards Jesus. From chapter 7, verse 1, we see that the, the Jewish leaders are actually plotting to kill him. 
That's, that's how bad it is. That's where it's at. This is, this is earlier on, too, in, in the ministry. The people themselves are divided. Some think that he's the Messiah. Some think he's a fraud. All right? So the people just aren't quite sure what's going on. Now, in this passage, Jesus secretly attends Sakat, the Feast of Booths also known as the Festival of Tabernacles. This festival was a a week-long celebration, one of the celebrations that God commanded the Jewish people to keep. It would have been late September, early October that they would have had this. People came from all over to Jerusalem, and while they were there, they actually built these booths, these structures, and they lived outside in them all together. So it was kind of like a, almost like a camping thing. All right? But it was to remember the times when the Israelites were in the wilderness. They spent those 40 years traveling around in makeshift tabernacles, makeshift booths, makeshift structures. And they remembered how Jesus and how God provided for them during this time. Well, I said Jesus is, comes there in secret. Halfway through, though, he makes himself known to everyone and starts teaching in the temple there. And this stirs the people up even more. On the last day of the festival, Jesus makes this amazing promise that we're going to see in John 7.37. I want you to go there. John 7.37 underlined it. This, this, this is an amazing promise that we want to focus in on, really look at today. But he makes this on the last day of the festival John 7, 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Amen? So here's Jesus. He's been teaching in the temple, and he cries out. He cries out this invitation followed by a promise. If anyone is thirsty, if anyone is looking for something more in life, if there's anyone who, who is experiencing life and it just doesn't feel right, it feels like they're, they're missing something, if you have this feeling that there's something more, something that your soul longs for, come to me and see what I have to offer. What does he offer? That if you believe in him, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. There will be something that sustains you, that comes from your soul. You will be filled and no longer thirsty for something. We all know what it's like to be thirsty, right? Now, this isn't the first time that we've heard this phrase, rivers of living water. We hear it first in John 4 when Jesus goes to a well and meets a Samaritan woman, right? A Samaritan woman who is steeped in shame, whose life is a wreck, And he tells her that if she'll drink of the water that he offers, it will become a fountain inside of her. A a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. What is he really referring to? Well, if you go back to John 7, verse 39, it says, But this he said in reference to the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. The streams of living water 
that will flow from us is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is not something that is just given to us once when we accept Christ, right? The Spirit dwells inside of us. It's something that can flow through us, out of us. It's something that can well up like a river or a stream. There are a lot of Christians living a life marked by thirst. Constantly looking for that thing that will fill them. And they're looking in the wrong place. Here is Jesus' promise that we need to latch on to, that we need to understand. Here is Jesus promising us a full life filled with the Spirit bursting out of us every day. I think sometimes as Christians, we're thirsty for victory. Maybe victory in an area of our life. Sometimes we, we spend our lives trapped in the cycle of defeat. Do you know what I'm talking about? I spent a lot of time trapped in a cycle of defeat where I would ask for forgiveness and then I would blow it again. And I would ask for forgiveness and I would blow it again. And I'd ask for forgiveness and I'd just get frustrated and I'd be like, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with this Christian thing? Is it real? I think there's a lot of Christians that are kind of trapped in this place. A lot of Christians who are, who are kind of living a life marked by thirst instead of marked by rivers of living water bursting out of them. I love this passage. I love this reminder. I love that Jesus sees a people who are struggling to be quenched. I love that Jesus sees a people that are thirsty and he simply says, come to me. Come to me. If you believe in me, then man, you're going to have living water filling your soul, flowing out of you for all the days of your life. That is what is available to you. It's an amazing promise. So me, years ago, I would say, okay, well, how's this really happen? What's this really look like? How do I really get this? Because that's not what I'm experiencing in this life, right? Rivers of living water, it just does not feel that way. I feel a little bit thirsty, if, if I'm honest. Well, I want to look at a picture first of how it starts. And then I want to look at how it continues, all right? So how does it begin? Turn to chapter 8. Verse 2, and I'm sorry, I have got um, pollen, something going on right now. My nose is running. But turn to, turn to 8. Plus, we turned on the heat in here, and some of you guys are breathing out a lot of hot air, right? Can you guys just stop it? It's getting warm in here, right? Maybe somebody can adjust the heat and turn, turn that down a little bit. <laughs> All right. Um, chapter 8, verse 2. This, this is probably one of my top five favorite passages. All right. And early in the morning, he came again into the temple area, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began teaching them. Now the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery. And after placing her in the center of the courtyard, 
they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. What then do you say? Now they were saying this to test him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote in the ground. When they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now when they heard this, they began leaving, one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone. And the woman where she was in this, I'm sorry, and straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from from now on, do not sin any longer. I love this account. This is a picture of when the dam breaks and the water starts flowing. All right? It's like the water is behind a dam of bondage, a dam of sin, a dam that suddenly breaks and that water starts flowing, the water of forgiveness, right? Flowing like a river and washes all the shame away. And the person has a new life. It brings new life. This is a story of religion versus relationship, right? You have the religious leaders, the Pharisees. They have zero concern about this woman. And my friends, church family, I get scared when we have zero concern about our enemies. I get concerned when we have zero concern about people that we don't agree with. Let's not be that type of people like the Pharisees here were with this woman. They're just using her as a means to an end. She's a prop. That's all she is. Where's the guy? Caught in the act? There would have been a guy there, right? If this was legit, that guy would have been there too. The law, of, the law that they quoted does not just focus in on the women. Where's the man? They just wanted to use her to trap him. We learned that from the passage. They have zero concern for her redemption. They have zero concern for her soul. What about us? Our enemies in politics, our enemies that don't look like us, do we have any concern for them? Or are we more interested in just being right? Right? The Pharisees and scribes, man, they like this position. This gives them a position of power. They want her trapped in shame because it keeps them above her, keeps her below them. Jesus isn't playing the game, right, though? He's not playing the game. He's, he bends down and starts writing in the dirt. They persist, though. And so he answers them and says, whoever is without sin, you start. Let them be the first to start chucking rocks. And the Bible says he goes back right down and starts to write on the ground again. From the oldest to the youngest, they drop their rocks and leave. Here's the woman caught in the act, full of shame, thinking she might be killed. And a man or a mob has grabbed her, dragged her, and set her in the middle. Where are they? 
right? In the courtyard of the temple. Could you imagine somebody grabbing you, dragging you into this church right front and center and standing around you with condemnation? I think that's sometimes how people picture what it might be like coming to church, that we're just going to stand around in condemnation of people. Man, I got too many things to keep hidden, right? I cannot come to church. I cannot have that exposed. But after Jesus speaks, the religious leaders are gone. Jesus stands up, and the astonishing part, man, that, that, like I said, this is where the dam breaks, right? He doesn't say, What were you thinking? What were you thinking? Don't you know the law? He doesn't say that, right? He just says, Woman, where are they? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? Jesus isn't the type that piles on shame. Perfect opportunity to do that. Make her feel sorry for what she's done, right? That's not how Jesus works. That should not be how we work, right, as his followers. He doesn't add to her brokenness. He doesn't add to her embarrassment in this moment. No, he just says, where are you accusers? Has no one condemned you? Her response has a slight glimmer of hope, doesn't it? No one, Lord. No one, Lord. Do you notice these are the only words she says in this account? Not, I'm sorry. Not an excuse of what she was doing and why she was doing it. No, these were the only words. And Jesus' response is, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. This is the moment that the dam breaks. This is the moment where she, she receives a pardon, right? This is the moment where forgiveness is granted. I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. He's not sugarcoating it. We can't sugarcoat sin, right? We can't excuse sin. He doesn't excuse it because sin is rebellion. But he's also not piling on the shame. I don't condemn you. Don't sin anymore. Now, do you think this woman never sinned for the rest of her life? No, she's a woman, right? Oh, that was bad. Just kidding. Just kidding. Totally kidding. Don't send me an email. I was totally kidding, all right? No, I'm sure she sinned. I hope she left her old life, right? But I'm sure she sinned. And yet in this moment, by the grace of God, in the mercy of Jesus, does not one condemn you? Neither do I. This is where it begins. This is the moment in our souls where the rivers of life start to flow. This is the moment where Christ finds all of us. Steeped in our shame, steeped in our sin, right? He finds us at our worst and he says, I don't condemn you. But go and leave that life. I got a better life for you. I have a new life for you. A life where your soul can be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
so that you can have power over sin so that you never have to sin again. You can live a life in victory. That's where it began. And that's where we were given the promise. What's the promise? This is in John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. If you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is the second time of three in the Gospel of John where we see the word abide. Do you remember another time where we saw that word? It's in the branch life, right? Hopefully you remember it from that series. The word abide means to really live in. Make your home in. It's where you, it's where you live. So if you make your home in his word, right, then it says you're truly his disciples. How are you doing with that? And if you do that, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What does it look like to make your home in God's word? It, make, it, it basically means that you're looking at his word and basing how you live off of it. How should I treat my spouse? Well, what does the Bible say? Right? If you look at the Bible, you will see different commands for men and women. Women are called to respect your husbands. Men are called to cherish your wives. It doesn't tell wives to cherish their husbands. Why? Because they're just naturally good at that. They do that. That's a part of their nature normally. Right? Well, what's not always in, ladies, your nature is to respect your husbands. And that is a huge importance to a man, is to be respected. The enemy who hates you, who hates your marriage, right, wants you to disrespect your husbands. Watch TV, right? Isn't the guy the butt of the jokes? Isn't the father the butt of the jokes in the sitcoms? There is not a, lot, a whole lot of respect there towards fathers. Men, the enemy who hates you, who hates your marriage, does not want you to cherish your wives, right? And I believe wives crave that, need that. How are you doing? Now, we'll just get a new one, right? We'll just get a new one. What would happen? What would happen if we lived here, if we searched God's Scripture to see how we should treat our spouse and followed that whole how would that change things? What's the Bible say about raising kids? Do you wish you knew, did a better job with that? I do, right? I've made a ton of mistakes raising my kids. What's the Bible teach? You want to do it better? How do you handle your money? The Bible has a lot to say about that. How do you guard your heart? This, this book is the story of God's pursuit for us. But it also tells us how to live. It is a guide on how to live well. Get in the Word, start reading it, and let it challenge how you live. If God created life and gives us a book that tells us how to live, shouldn't we be in it? Shouldn't we be studying it? Shouldn't we be living it? Shouldn't we be making it our home? Shouldn't we be abiding in it? As you study it, 
you will find things that you struggle with, right? Struggle to understand. Hey, that's why we have life application Bibles to kind of help with that. Struggle to practice. What, you want me to love my enemies? Uh, heck no, right? That's my first response. No, but that, that's what we're called to. Are you going to live in this? Are you going to make your home in this? And what it calls you to do? Or are you just going to do things your way? Abide, make it where you live, how you live in the word. Here's the thing, though. All too often, we approach it like a hotel. Jesus and his word is often more like a hotel that we occasionally live in when it's convenient. When it's convenient. It's a different mindset when you live in a hotel, isn't it? Right? You don't take care of anything in a hotel. You don't have any responsibilities in a hotel. Everything's done for you. You feed me, you make my bed, you better have internet for me, right? Or I'm going to start complaining or I'm going to leave. In a hotel, you want all the benefits of a home without the commitment, without the responsibility. Sometimes that's how we approach the word of God. Or abiding in Christ. We want the benefits, but we don't want the responsibility. We don't want to direct our lives around it, through it. It's, it's easy when you're in a hotel. You can come and leave whenever you want. You don't have to do anything. In a home, it takes commitment. It takes a lot of work a lot of maintenance, a lot of upkeep, right? When you're in a hotel, it's fun at first. It's nice that lack of responsibility is good. After you've lived there for a week, though, it starts getting old. It doesn't feel like a home where you can do life. That's where a lot of Christians are at. They're in the hotel instead of abiding in Christ. How do you abide? Last week we said that you had to, to cultivate the silence. Are you doing that? Are you cultivating the silence? We have to spend time in his word. It has to be a priority that you take on daily. Let the word challenge you. Wrestle with it. Let it convict you. Let it guide you. Please do not give me the excuse. Please do not think that your excuse, well, I don't understand it or I can't read it. Man, we have 20 billion things available to us that will read it to you, that will help you explain it. Don't, don't live in that excuse. You have people around you that will help you understand it. Make it a priority. Talk to your spouse. <laughs> Talk to your kids. To your friends about what you're reading. Man, I used to do that with Adavi. Do you remember Adavi? I used to always come up to her and say, man, just read this. What do you think it means? You know, I don't do that anymore. If my kids came up to me and said, Dad, I've been reading my Bible and it says I should turn the other cheek when I'm insulted, man, I, that would be amazing. I would be amazed if they were wrestling with that word of God. That would be the coolest thing in the world to see them 
doing that. Because when you're wrestling with God, you're close to him. You can't wrestle with God unless you're in his face, unless you're close to him. And that's a great place to be. Grab somebody and study it together. Send somebody a text. Hey, did you know in 1 Kings 19.12 that a donkey speaks? Right? Maybe you say, man, if, if, if God can use a donkey, he surely can use you, right, to speak to somebody. Did somebody say somebody's name? Make church a priority. Make Sunday school a priority. Make small groups, make Wednesday night Bible study a priority. It will help you live. It will help you abide. It will help your path. All too often, it's not a priority. Man, if you're just here for one hour a week, you're not in it yourself, you're not studying it with somebody, man, iron sharpens iron, right? You're missing out. It will, it will be very hard because you're probably at home on Sunday for an hour and then you're probably in a hotel the rest of the week. Abide in it. Make it a priority. Read a devotional time at dinner. Some of you have families that gather at dinner, not just your immediate family. Immediate family. Like you have a family, multiple families that come together for dinner. Wouldn't that be a great time to just read a small devotional? Live there. Invite your neighbors who would never come to church, wouldn't dare step into this, this crazy weird place, right? But they'll come to your house. Let me give you a warning. Be wary of the people who just come to cause division in your small groups, in your circles. Do this with people who actually want to study the Word instead of looking just to, to sow problems. There are skeptics out there that are searching and that will a- ask tough questions. I love those types of people. We should all be those types of people that ask the tough questions. That's great. But then there are skeptics out there that just ask those questions just to challenge, just to be difficult so that they can stay elevated above those things. They're not searching for the truth. They just want to stir things up. Be careful of those people. They want to puff themselves up. They're the people that they literally enjoy being difficult. Are you a difficult person? If you are, then I'm asking you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you living in God's Word, asking questions so that you can understand it, so that you can be challenged by it, or are you just trying to be difficult? If you're trying to be difficult, what is that going to do for your family? What is that going to do for your friends around you? I have found difficult people like to point out what's wrong with everyone else, with everything else, but themselves. I want to be a part of a church, of a group, who is continually looking inside first at themselves before they look outside at anybody else. Well, when you make your home in Jesus, when you abide in his word, he'll show you that the closets need straightened up, right? He'll show you some areas of the house that need picked up. He'll show you a yard that needs to be torn up and reseeded. And it's going to be hard. It's going to take work. 
but he'll celebrate you with you when you plant that seed, right? He'll celebrate with you when you plant that tree, and two years later it produces fruit. He'll celebrate with you. He'll actually produce the fruit, right? It's on him to produce the fruit. When you abide in him, then you are truly his disciples. And here's the promise. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If there was ever a time in our history where we need to know the truth, where truth is not messed up or more messed up than right now, it is right now. And that didn't make any sense, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Today in our culture, if you believe it, that is your truth. No, that is not. There is one truth. You can have your feelings about that one truth, but there is one truth. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Free from what? Free from lies, free from bondage, right? The old patterns of life. I blew it again. I blew it again. I blew it again. I need to confess. I blew it again. Your whole Christian life can just be this cycle. It's not the good life. It's not the life that God has for you. It's just limping along with a lot of disappointment. You feel stuck. You feel trapped, right? You do good for a while, and then you blow it. If you're tired of that, you have to decide to live, to abide in God's word, in Christ. You do that, and in time, you will see freedom from whatever you're struggling with. Unfortunately, like though, we like to live in the hotel. We only follow this when it agrees with us. You'll never find freedom in that. You'll be in bondage to yourself. There's freedom in Christ. You have to make it your home, meaning you have to live there. You have to wrestle with God. You have to surrender your life to him and his word. Yes, Lord, your word says this. I'm struggling with that. I don't want to do that, but it's your word. It is the word of God, and so I will surrender my life and follow that. John eight thirty four through 36, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. That should scare us. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What to notice in that passage? The passage doesn't say if you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That's not what the passage says, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. I want you to think about your life right now. It's one thing to practice sin, to orientate your life around some compulsion, compulsion or around a sinful pattern that you're giving yourself over to. If you practice sin, there will be no remorse for sin. There's no struggling against it. That's what he's addressing here. You do it and you're just perfectly fine with it. You don't care that it's sin. That's the place you want to be very careful, right? Because a slave does not remain in the house forever. 
But if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you're struggling with a secret sin or a non-secret sin that everybody knows about, quit listening to the enemy who says you're stuck, you're trapped, and things will never change, right? You'll never be free. Because if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. You need to abide in His Word, though. You need to abide with Christ to find that freedom and have that victory over sin. You don't have to have your joy stolen for the rest of your life and be constantly up and down. I told you this story before, man. I was in bondage for over a decade. And I experienced that constant up and down. But I've also experienced the freedom from that thing. And it came when I abided in him and in his word. This is the invitation that Jesus is extending to the crowd, right? At the last day of the feast, if you're thirsty, come to me. If you believe in me, then what's going to happen? Rivers of living water come and will flow from your heart. I want to end with this. Can I ask you, in this life, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for something more? Are you thirsty for freedom? Are you thirsty to know him? Maybe you don't know Christ at this point. Maybe you're in here. Maybe you're watching. Maybe you've been in here for 20 years. Maybe you're thirsty, looking for something more out of this world, and the things of this world are not satisfying you. Instead, they're just tearing your life apart. If that's you, if God is speaking to you right now and your soul is longing for something more, will you listen to the words of Jesus? If you're thirsty, come to me. Come to Jesus. I know people that have sat in this very church and thought they've done, done too much, that they are beyond the grace of God, that God would not let them come to him. I hope that if that's you, you remember the woman who was caught in adultery. The woman who was living a life of adultery. I don't condemn you. Leave your old life, though. Find new life in me. Our God does not pile shame and guilt. Instead, he offers forgiveness and freedom from it. He offers a new life. John 3, 17, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. That should be our, our mantra, our mantra, our battle cry, man. We're not here to condemn the world. We're here to pass on the good news of salvation. He also offers a new life, but you have to want it. You have to want it. You have to come to him. If that's you, let me give you a way to ask for it. Make this your prayer. Jesus, man, I'm sorry for the things I've done. Would you forgive me? I'm thirsty. I'm dry. I need you to save me.
I need you to come into my life. I need you to fill me. I need your freedom from the bondage that I'm in. And then tell him that you'll leave your old life and that you'll follow him because that's the invitation. That's the start of salvation, to leave your old life and follow him. If you pray that, there's where you start. The next part takes some courage, all right? Because the Bible says you need to confess it. You need to tell it to somebody. Tell it to me. Tell it to another Christian in here, a mature Christian, about the decision you've made. Why? So that we can walk with you. So that we can mentor you. So that we can help you in this walk and and help you follow Jesus. Man, I would hate it if somebody came up and told me that. Right? No. Right? I would jump for joy. Follow Jesus him start your path of salvation all right christians you're on that path but that path is dry all right you you've you've moved out of the home you're living in the hotel would you describe that your relationship with jesus is streams of living water coming forth from your soul Is that how your life is right now? There are times that I feel this, and let me tell you, there are times that I don't, right? They're usually related to, am I abiding or am I not abiding? Am I living in his presence? Am I following him? Am I conforming to what his word says? Or am I just doing my own thing? When I'm hoteling it, man, the enemy gets a foothold with sin. I feel a change in my attitude, my, my relationship with my wife. They get on my nerves, right, with my kids. I get to a place where I just can't deal with people. I just can't people, right? Everybody irritates me. I become Hotel Jimmy. <laughs> Hotel Jimmy does not have the streams of living water from him, coming from his soul. What do I do when I notice that happening? Man, you cranky, James. You, I can feel it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just, you can feel it, right? I tell myself, James, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. This isn't you. Your heart has been set free. You actually love people. You're not irritated by people. And I start praying, Lord, can you help me with this? I want to love people as you love them, but right now I'm just not in that place. Be honest with him. Clear everything out and go back and abide in him. Abide in his word. When you abide in him, he gives you his compassion for people. You see people differently. You see them as not just being annoying, right? You see them as being empty like you. You see them as needing filled. And you want to be a part of that. I want to see the beauty of every soul, even those people on the other political aisle than me. I want to see them that way. I don't want to fight about politics. I want to fight for their soul. I don't want to fight to be right. I want to see them saved, man, because the people on the other side of the politics, they need to be saved. Right? Amen. 
people on both sides need it, right? As you draw nearer to him, man, your crankiness goes away, starts to receive. Because what's he show you? He shows you how much he's forgiven you, what he's done for you, how much of a person you were. Reminds you of all that. And then you remember, man, I am a, I am, I have received God's grace and I am an ambassador for God's grace. What a calling. What are you struggling with right now? What needs healed in your life? Do you know the number one struggle for people right now? Anxiety. It is an epidemic. I was talking to a government leader and he said there, there is a huge increase in the amount of prescription drugs being given to our kids today because of anxiety. And it is not just a kid thing. I was watching Spectrum News last night, and they said anxiety is on the rise. Man, I experienced anxiety last year. I've never experienced anxiety in my life. But I experienced that for months, and it was a, a weird season to go through. What's, what's Brian's life first? Cast all your anxiety on him, right? Abide in him. There are things you can do, eat right, exercise that will help in, with anxiety, but I'm going to tell you the number one thing to help with anxiety is to abide with Christ. Abide in him. Because otherwise you're going to be listening to the enemy, and the enemy hates you. The enemy wants to kill you. The enemy wants to kill your family. The only way to fight is God's word. you got to be in it. Draw your truth from it. Don't listen to what the world says about you. Listen to what your creator says about you. Amen? Amen. Stay with me. The question is, do you want to stay in the hotel? Or do you want to move into the house of the Lord and make it your home? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we bless your name. We come to you now and we ask you to heal those places in our souls that, that are in need of being healing. Those places that are broken. Those places that we're frustrated with. We're at the end of ourselves. We're just spent. We're just tired. We're longing for normalcy. And it seems like every day is a one step forward and two steps back. Slow moving. Lord, we acknowledge that we don't know how to do this. But we hear you crying out like you did in the passage. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Father, I pray that we would come to you and abide in you, and abide in your peace, and abide in your truth, and that the enemy would be silenced, and we would not hear from him, but we would only hear what you have to say. Father, and let the, let the living water flow. Holy Spirit, come. Produce that in us. When we can do nothing to produce that, Lord, do that. Father, produce fruit in our lives. Use us to be your church. Use us to be your representatives. Father, let the water flow. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We exalt you, King of kings and Lord of lords.
Help us to surrender our lives in response to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Sunday School Board, don't forget, quick meeting, not quick meeting, but meeting afterwards in the teen room.